Welcome back to the Agbo Podcast. I am your host, Tommy Grisafi. Today we've got a special guest, Mr. Brian Kenner from BK Seeds, Maddock, North Dakota. And we're going to talk about his spring outlook meeting. We're going to talk a little bit about himself, BK Seeds, and what the heck's going on in North Dakota. And the reason North Dakota, and Brian will get into this, is so important, is it is one of the largest states that can swing acres. With that, Brian, I look real forward to coming out to your your meeting here, and welcome to the Agbo Podcast, my friend. Hey, thanks. Appreciate you having me on. Um, yeah, we're excited for our meeting coming up, too. Uh, I know I've had you here for several years. You do a great job. Give us a little bit of a, of a different twist on grain markets and what's going on. So looking forward to having you. Well, let's uh, talk about yourself. I know you, you're a very humble man, and you don't want to talk about yourself very much, but you do love farming. You do love uh, agriculture. I would consider that you are in central North Dakota. Yep, I would say central North Dakota. Yep, about 100 miles from the Canadian border and uh, east and west, uh, a little little east central, but but pretty centralized in the state. In, in Madoc, North Dakota, I, I I like that area. I The dirt, it varies, but boy, if Mother Nature is in a good mood, you guys can produce a crop. I've also seen what Mother Nature can do when she's not in a good mood. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, we can grow a lot of crops. Uh, we can actually grow them pretty well, better than I think people would guess. But we've got some very difficult to farm soils at times. Uh, sometimes Mother Nature can reward us with a pretty good crop, and sometimes she can be pretty humble and, uh, and put us in our place. So you're a farmer in Maddock, North Dakota. What what are you going to plant this year? So on our farm this year, we'll have malting barley, uh, dry edible beans, specifically pinnos and blacks corn, soybeans, wheat, and oats. And we, we do a lot of seed production. I think we've, you know, you know this obviously, but uh, a lot of what we produce, we, we do produce some stuff that's just for commercial grain, but uh, we do a lot of seed production where we actually produce the crop, get it conditioned, and we resell it to farmers the following year for seed to plant. So we're not in Iowa anymore, right? <laughs> no. All right. Well, we got a lot to talk about. Tell us about BK Seed and, and what all you do there. And how'd you get into BK Seed? How'd BK Seed start? So kind of an interesting story, I guess, um, you know, I started farming a little bit right out of high school. I was going to college, kind of uh, my grandpa rented me a little bit of land as an opportunity to help, you know, kind of pay for my college uh, costs. And I wanted to add a little bit of value. So I started growing a little bit of wheat seed and barley seed um, on some real small acres. I also started selling corn and soybean seed when when corn and soybeans were just a really uh, a niche thing uh, around here. And I guess it's just kind of continued to grow as I got done with college. I came home, started farming, expanded the seed business. Um, you know, now we've got a couple full-time employees. So, you know, we've got our farm. Um, you know, I, I do farm just like uh, most of the people that, that you talk to, but we also run the seed business and they're um, aligned companies, but they are separate. So, you know, obviously we got employees that will go back and forth between the farm and the seed business, but uh, you know, everything kind of works together and it's, it's kind of a different business model. When you say seed, I gotta I gotta promote you a little bit. It's not only seed; it's seed chemical and other things. And probably the hot topic this year is going to be the uh, other things. Talk about those other things real quick. Yeah, so we we do sell crop protection products. You know, your your fungicides, pesticides, things like that. Um, I not hear a those lot are important. Stuff, a I, bit, I hear but, you need yeah. those. <laughs> yeah, the thing about the seven dollar corn thing is that you got to take care of it if you want if you want to have a lot of it, right? So. Um, that's the million dollar question this year. There's a, there's a ton of supply issues out there. Um, everybody's heard the same song and dance from the retailer before about, you know, this is tight. That's tight. You got to book it early. Uh, this year's the real deal. It's, it's a different story altogether. I mean, I get phone calls every day, you know, price increase in this product for my suppliers or, 
you know, there's a supply issue with this one. We got to cut you. We got to allocate you. Um, you know, we, we've kind of taken an approach as a business this year that, you know, we're really not looking for growth. We're just trying to, uh, you know, keep our regular customers taken care of and uh, make sure they've got, you know, things covered. Um, there's, I mean, there's a hundred different products, literally over a hundred products that are either allocated or limited supply. And, uh, you know, it's, if there's ever a year to plan ahead, talk to your retailer, figure out what things you're going to need on your farm, make a plan with your acres, sit down and, and get those products covered. Because I think if you're the last person in line to get them this year, you're going to find that there's, there's nothing on the shelf. Well, this is going to come back to customer loyalty. Sometimes, uh, whether it be my business or your business, you have people call you once a year, you have people call you once a week. I imagine the once a years are, I'll speak for you. They're going to get the plight like, Hey, I appreciate the call, but we just don't have it. Whether you have it or don't have it, I don't think you're going to have it because your clients who are always with you, um, Let's before we move forward. Let's go backward. What was that thing a year and a half ago that the Department of Ag said at this time at this night you can't sell it anymore? What that's yeah, what, uh, so that was, we were working with Dicamba for soybeans. Yeah, um, we went we went through a, a deal where um, you know obviously Dicamba is a hot a hot topic. Dicamba soybeans, you know, issues with you know drift and volatization going on to to neighbors' fields, and so. Department of Ag issued a stop sale on that product. And basically what, what product you had in your shed, you could sell to farmers after that, you couldn't bring anything new in. And, uh, you know, you talk about creating a, you know, a supply issue overnight. That was, that was an ugly one. Was that you know, two since years then ago? They've, yeah, that was two years ago. Yeah. Since then they've changed it. You know, they've made more restrictions on when and how we spray these products and guys have to have annual training to use them. So I think we've done a better job of, of making the stewardship better, hopefully. I mean, I know there's still issues out there with some of this stuff, but, um, you know, these are the things we deal with that um, create some interesting situations in our business. One of the things I got I to gotta compliment you for, and I don't know if people know this or if you want people to know this, but you've done a great job of getting ahead of this. And I think the reason I bring up that story from two years ago, Brian, is that that tipped your hat to maybe I should keep some extra Roundup around and. Can we can we tell people like a baseball analogy? If you're going to steal from first to second, you better start heading to second, and yeah. uh, there is a chance you can get picked off on first, and that would be that you get ahead of yourself and you buy too much, and you don't have someone to buy that. Correct? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, whether you're a farmer or a supplier, I mean, I think farmers in general, we've got to think more like merchandisers, and that's probably um, from a grain standpoint uh, and, and a you know, input purchasing standpoint, it's different. You know, I see my customers now, you know, it used to be that they, they buy a pallet of something, you know, they come in in June or July and they've got, you know, 10 gallons of this left. Hey, can I return that for credit or swap it to this? Yeah, no problem. You know, we try to work with them the best we can, but uh, guys are more comfortable carrying some inventory now and I don't blame them. You know, anything you had in your shed last year is probably worth, you know, five to 50% more this year. Um, and farming's been pretty good. So guys got a little cash around and they're willing to carry a little more product and, uh, treat it more like a traditional business, I guess we could say. Well, from a banking standpoint, it's everything that you were ever told not to do is now working. Uh, don't have yeah. too much green paint or any color paint. Uh, what, what are you doing with an extra 500 gallons of Roundup? That's, you, you don't need that. Boy, hoarding's become popular and it's, it's become profitable. And we are in a <laughs> massive inflationary environment where I don't want to get too far into this, but you can touch on it a little bit. A lot of these chemicals and products, I think you should touch on it. I mean, we could talk politics. We could talk where this stuff comes from. Let's go this way. A lot of the things you buy don't have a made in America label. Is that correct? Yeah, that's very true. And I mean, I'm far from an expert on the uh, behind the scenes of where this stuff comes from and how it all gets here. But 
you know, a, a lot of the, the raw active ingredients that we use in our crop protection products are made in China. They're, you know, shipped over here and then they're reformulated in the U.S. Well, between COVID shutdown, China Olympics, uh, hurricanes in the Gulf, I mean, there's, there's a million things that play into this. Uh, you know, I don't know how much of it, you know, how much of it actually made this happen, which ones to varying degrees, right? But uh, the, the point is, is it happened. And we've got different products that we just can't get the active ingredients. Or in the case of like atrazine, the inert matter, the clay that's in there is a problem and it's caused problems getting some of these products. And, uh, you know, it used to be we talked about things getting tight and you might have to shift some things around. And, I, you know, we always buy from a few different suppliers. But, you know, when I get suppliers that I call and they say they got no bid, uh, that's that's a different story. That's not something that we've dealt with before. And I don't anticipate this is something that's going to fix itself overnight. You know, we've been a, a just-in-time world for a long time, whether it's what you buy at Walmart or what you buy from BK Seeds. And I think it's biting us in the butt a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, we rely on a lot of other countries to make some or all of the ingredients in these products. And now with the supply chain working the way it is, we, we just can't get this stuff fast enough. And so, you know, I think from what I'm talking with people that I trust, uh, we could see, you know, another year, year and a half of, of dealing with this environment where, you know, we've got, you know, limited supply of products, things show up just in time. You know, glyphosate uh, obviously is, is a big one everybody talks about. I mean, we've finally seen some products start shipping in, you know, we're allocating to our customers based on what they bought last year. But, you know, it used to be that we'd get, all our glyphosate in the winter, we'd put it in a shed, you know, we'd go out this time of the year and ship out, you know, uh, guys needs for the whole year because it was cheap. They'd buy it early and they'd take it. Well, now, you know, we're dealing with, well, hey, I can get you one shuttle now. Uh, when my next truckload comes in, I'll bring you another one there. So the logistics of it has gotten to be a real mess. But uh, it was kind of funny, you know, farmers used to be, especially in North Dakota, where it's, you know, we're coming out of winter, you know, yards are kind of muddy, there's snow places call guys and be like, Hey, I got a, you know, a couple shuttles around up for a year. Can you take it? And they're, ah, you know, I just assume wait a couple weeks or wait for the weather. And now you call them and they're like, Hey, what, what time do you want me to be there to unload you? Uh, we'll gladly find a spot in my shed. And do you want to check now or how do you want to handle this? So no one's yelling at you for tearing up the yard, huh? No, no, they're happy to have it. And, uh, you know, and, and people know the price is kind of what it is at this point. I mean, it's really funny how that works too. I mean, we, we literally used to, you know, have, arguments over 10 and 25 cents a gallon on glyphosate you know and, and now we're dealing with a product that's literally gone up 300 percent in price and uh you know guys just say you know hey you know I, i'm sure you're going to take care of me it's it's what it is um and, and and we're dealing with it too i mean the cost to handle this stuff is a lot you know i mean when when your cost of inventory is three times what it was also you know it, it affects what sure. what i'm doing in my business that affects the the guy shipping the stuff, it affects the farmer in his shed. So that's, that's one thing that, you know, some people have said, you know, I got to talk to my insurance uh, company because, you know, the, the crop protection products I have in my shed and the fertilizer is worth so much more that I got to make sure I'm insured if I got a fire in my shed and this happens. So right. things like that, we just don't think about. So. That's a great point. I mean, if you would keep, if you like, oh, I'm a, just a little retailer here, I got two to $3 million stuff in my shed and all of a sudden you got nine and you have a fire and fires do happen. Wow. What a great, what a great point to bring up. I wish I sold insurance. I'd call every client and raise their insurance. Uh, that yeah. is a legit good point. And for the farmers out there listening, your, your equipment's worth more money. Your house is worth more money. You really should call your insurance company and get a big writer policy and all that. And I'm not trying to sell insurance, although uh, during my day job, that's really what I do. Hey, real quick, Brian, this lineup you got, 
here. You got some uh, big names here on this postcard I received. Let's talk about, uh, you got someone coming in from uh, Bear Regional Manager. What are they going to talk about? Yeah, so um, Troy Seiler is a friend of mine. He's a regional manager for Bayer Crop Protection and kind of throwing throwing him to the wolves a little bit at our meeting on Tuesday. Uh, I've known Troy a long time. We've done some business together. And I said, hey, you know, the Bayer reps have had a, a bad run this year between uh, the glyphosate shortage and everything else they're dealing with. Uh, they take a lot of heat for it. And I said, can you, can you come to my meeting, Troy? And I don't want a sales pitch. I just want an informational meeting you know, tell my customers the, the backstory on this, explain to them, you know, kind of some of the stuff you and I have talked about. Why, why is this stuff short? Why are we paying more? Um, you know, it's sometimes it's nice to just have a little bit of a, know the why story behind what we're dealing with. So yeah, Troy's going to come talk about that. Um, uh, we started working with a really neat company out of Kansas, EGE BioEgg and Stefan Bush, their rep. Uh, they're a farmer owned company that makes spray adjuvants. And, uh, you know, certainly it's not an exclusive deal for us here. There's you know, lots of places that are that are selling their products, but neat story where you know we're supporting other farmers. You know, we just talked about how all this stuff is made overseas and 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 whatnot. Well, we buy some adjuvants and source adjuvants from from a farmer in uh, Kansas. They make this stuff. Great products. Uh, service has been fantastic. The price point on them is really great. So, you know, Stefan's going to come up and talk a little bit about how this whole world and we're we're living in has changed their business and the products they offer. And then uh, I kind of usually give a little bit of a real summary on what's new for this year and things that, you know, we kind of want to watch out for. And um, our, our meeting is a little different. I'm not trying to plug it, but, you know, everybody goes to their, their crop protection meetings. And I've been to a lot of them before as a farmer and got tired of listening to this rep come up and talk about his products. And this rep come up and talk about his. And, you know, I like to have those conversations with my customers one-on-one when we sit down with them and go through stuff. And so, at our meeting, we try to just make it informational. We're just going to talk about, you know, the industry in general, things that you need to do, whether you're buying from myself or the, the co-op supplier down the road. And, um, you know, that's kind of what we try to do. And then I usually bring you in at the end to, uh, you know, just, just wow them and, and entertain them, Tommy. Well, I tell you what, thank you. I appreciate it. And I'm humbled. Now, most years I'm at your meeting, the markets are at horrible prices. This year, the they're at incredible prices with the uh, Lots of potential to uh, move around. Talking politics real quick. I listened to the president's speech yesterday, and it sounds like we're going to be in Ukraine for a while. And that was yesterday's news. Now, by the time this podcast comes out, who knows? It could all be over. But I don't. Uh, I watched two specials. Your friend sent me a couple links on these uh, Oliver Stone specials that he did in the Ukraine. And if you're out there listening, 2017, Oliver Stone did a special, and then 2019. If you want a, a college semester's education of what's going on there in the history, download those and uh, watch those. I learned a lot. And Brian, by watching those and listening to people, it's really changing my perspective of what's happening in the world. Well, I'll say this, my friend, we're not done yet, but don't, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. And speaking of watching what they do, what is the North Dakota farmer going to plant and how much ability do they have to pivot? And we'll start to end the, the, this podcast with this. But how much, you know, the, the guys in Chicago are like, oh, there's going to be 92 million acres of corn, 93. The North Dakota farmer is not going to plant spring wheat, which I don't believe they will plant a lot. And you can explain to everyone the mathematics of that. Question number one, does the North Dakota farmer have the ability to pivot and then to lead into these products you grow, edible beans, barley, canola, explain to people what price these are trading at and maybe why someone wouldn't plant wheat over that. Go ahead, my friend. 
So what's really unique about North Dakota is the variety of crops we can grow. I would say, you know, there's probably 10 different crops that, that are reasonably, you could go back and make it a plan today to plant that two months from now when we get started. Um, a lot of the customers I work with plant six or seven crops. That's not unheard of, which is up here, which is really crazy. It gets to be a lot of things to manage from, you know, obviously you got to look at your, your carryover chemicals, you know, your rotation restrictions, diseases that can come in, but you know, we can grow, uh, you know, we can say we got soybeans in the field. We can grow oats, wheat, corn, barley, soybeans back on that ground. Say we had corn there. We can grow, you know, edible beans, field peas. We could put oats back on it, soybeans. We've, we've got a lot of options. And North Dakota is known for being, the you know, a, a big wheat producer. And spring wheat's, you know, still one of our main crops. But soybeans have really taken over. And what's happened up here is when you see the wheat market and the corn market and the soybean market rally, all these specialty crops that, pretty much are only grown in a few states, North Dakota being one of them, uh, the values explode. And so they're having to pay up a lot to get guys to grow these specialty crops. Now, is it enough? I don't really know. Um, the problem is, is, you know, at some point you say, gosh, I can make a really great money growing soybeans. And obviously they're easier to grow than all these specialty crops. There's a reason they call them specialties. Uh, you know, do you, do you chase those few extra dollars to grow that crop or do you say, I can make a great profit growing soybeans and, and have a little easier time and, and go that direction. You know, soybeans are probably the one that's the easiest to flex anywhere. You can plant soybeans on soybeans, on wheat, on corn. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of soybean acres. My seed sales are, are telling me that so far. I think those acres are coming at the expense of some of these specialty crops along with wheat and corn. I'm surprised there is a fair amount of interest in wheat still. Um, you know, we had a lot of guys order wheat early. They didn't call me for a while. I feel like they were getting ready to cancel orders. Now with this wheat rally, I think we're seeing some of those acres go back. You know, guys value the crop rotation and, and some of that kind of stuff. But I still don't see we're going to have this huge increase in wheat acres. The fertilizer where it's at, um, you know, and, and it takes a lot of fertilizer to grow wheat, similar to corn, maybe more nitrogen even, honestly, I, I would say. Uh, you know, soybeans are a low input crop. The price is really high. And then these other especially crop prices are really high. They're, they're going to pull some acres and some of that's going to come from wheat. Can you touch on, that's a great, great little wrap up there. Can you touch on canola? Oh yeah, canola. I, I forget about canola because we don't, in, personally, we don't work with a lot of growers that do canola, but I'm seeing more this year than I ever have. And canola is a big crop in North Dakota, especially as you get north of us and west of us, the growing season favors production of that a little more. Um, so I, I'm area. hearing, yeah, I'm hearing, from, you know, other suppliers and friends of mine that farm around the canola acres are going to be huge. There's a lot of canola, um, you know, canola, you know, is a, is a, it's a specialty crop, but it's a larger acre specialty crop, you know, for producing canola oil. Um, there, there's a lot of canola that's going to go in, I think, because the price is really strong and that's probably going to take some of these soybean acres. Uh, I don't know how many wheat acres it takes because of the way canola is in a rotation standpoint. I don't, I don't see that so much because it's typically following wheat is where most guys would grow canola. And don't one crop you didn't mention that's going to get planted no matter what is the sugar beets in the Red River Valley, which is totally something uh, not in your guys' wheelhouse where you are. But the sugar beet guys do always plant the wheat on the rotation, and that's uh, you know wheat could be worth nothing. They're still going to plant that wheat to rotate it, and they kind of call it poverty grass over there in the valley. They'd much rather and could plant something else, but they need that. Uh, ability to clean up and get that rotation ready and their crops aren't insurable uh, you just can't plant sugar beets and soybeans and sugar beets people don't realize uh, in the i states that you legally have to 
alternate crops. Is that true, my friend? Yep. A lot of these crops, they've got, you know, disease issues. If you follow like, like for instance, you know, we can't put, you know, pinnel beans or field peas after soybeans because they're both legumes. You can't keep the um, the volunteers of the other crop. You can't clean or condition them out of there, but, you know, with traditional chemicals and, um, you know, you get diseases that, that, you know, sit in one residue of a crop and they follow that, that next one. And so, uh, you know, crop insurance says you have to have a, you know, one year between or two years between, or you have to follow with this. And so that's a little different than, you know, your, your corn, soybean, and wheat, we can plant those after any crop we want, uh, up here, no issues, but crop insurance limits our rotations, uh, for, for a good reason on a lot of these specialty crops. Well, Brian, that's that's good stuff. Now, I think I got to throw a joke in there because I'm sitting here smiling by myself. Was there some politician who came out last week and said we should just all eat lentils? Is lentils going to be something popular? Uh, yeah, lentils. You're smiling I get a few too. About that all the time. Um, so, so lentils are uh, are a pulse crop. They really like arid environments, and North Dakota is arid in general. But there's a big difference eastern to western North Dakota. Um, you know, and I'm. In the central part, and even lentils, I've seen a few of them around, but really you probably got to go 150 miles west of me before you see a lot of them. And uh, the lentil market I've heard is on fire as well. Um, you know, that's a, a very niche market for a pulse crop that needs, you know, really a, a drier climate from a disease standpoint. So I don't see much with lentils, don't deal with them, but, you know, I'm close enough uh, to where they're produced that it gets talked about occasionally. Well, my friend, I... Uh... I, I'm so glad uh, that we're having this exciting conversation about prices and crops in North Dakota. I think this is my personal opinion, but I, I live there two weeks out of the month. I think ag is forever changed in North Dakota. I think it, well, I know it was changing anyway, but with what happened in the world and what's happening with soybean technology and this push for the Green New Deal. Now, whether, again, whether it happens or not, don't watch what they say, watch what they do. And Things are changing in the bio, biodiesel, renewable diesel world. And you guys are right at the heart of that where you have those acres to flex. And it's interesting, all the other crops, when everyone's like, oh, plant more soybeans. And all the other people are like, wait a second, there's nine other crops we need too. How are we going to get those? And that, my friend, is where the function of the markets and supply and demand kick in. And thank God you're there to help them with all that. Well, Brian, I have a special announcement uh, something I've never told anyone, but every episode we're going to give away flags. It's called Flags for Farmers. And if you're listening, if you listen to this episode all the way to the end, if you email me, we're going to give away five United States of America beautiful flags. I want you to display them with pride. And if you email me, the first five people at flags at agbull.com will give those away. And you were so kind to donate flags and several businesses across North Dakota. I said, hey, we're going to give away flags for farmers on the Ag Bull podcast. And you said, sign me up, brother. So I thank you for that. I look forward to coming out to your meeting. And uh, folks, today on the show, we had Brian Kenner, BKC, it's Maddox, North Dakota. Brian, wrap it up. I'll let you finish the show. Uh, my name is Tommy Grisafi, and I'm bullish ag. What are you bullish about, my friend? I'm bullish about people making decisions and planning ahead. Uh, like I said, what we're all excited about this time of year is we sit down with our growers, we meet with them, we try to make their plans for the year. And this year, more than ever, if I can tell anybody what they got to do is, is make a plan with your retailer. Sit down, go through the products you use, whether you're a corn or soybean farmer in Iowa or you're growing seven crops in North Dakota. I think that's really important. And we touch base a little with that in our meeting. And, uh, and then 
find somebody to help you with your grain marketing. You know, Tommy does a great job. I really appreciate what he does for us on our farming end and with uh, our customers that he works with. And he does a great job with that. And uh, I think his podcast thing you're doing, Tommy, is awesome. So thanks again for having me on and uh, really look forward to seeing you Tuesday. And thanks for coming out. Brian, my pleasure. Everyone, that's Brian Kenner, BK Seeds, Maddock, North Dakota, Spring Meeting Preview. Brian, we'll see you soon, my friend. Thank you. My name's Tommy Grisafi, and I'm Bullish Agriculture.